Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. In case you didn't catch it, uh, my name is Jono and my wife Dot. We're from uh, we're the pastors at Riverside Church in Dubbo. Uh, unlike Pastor Ken and Emily, I've never been to the farm or the thornbush, uh, but always hope to go. Who's ready? Who knows what they're ready for? Not many. When, uh, I just walked in uh, yesterday to grab the key of Pastor Ken and uh, I just wanted to do some prep here and I walked into the last bit of the uh, National Day of Prayer and uh, God just really ministered to me, to my heart and I got a lot out of that, uh, which is amazing. Um, and he just gave me the title of my message this morning. And the title is, It's Time for an Oil Change. So that to someone around you, it's time for an oil change. Say that a bit louder. It's time for an oil change. Say it like you mean it. It's time for an oil change. What do I mean by that? Well, you see, change is one of the only constants in our life. As you'll see on the next slide, we used to have these phones that we could rotate around, and then we had these phones that we could point on and press buttons on. Now we've got phones that are cordless, and now we have phones that... Um, our touch and you don't even have to touch them now you just say hey Google and they'll respond that phone you see there is a flip phone so you have two phones for the price of one on the next screen you'll see that TVs have gotten slimmer while people have on the large gotten a little bit larger on the next slide you'll see some of your favorite celebrities who's the one on the left anyone Alec Baldwin the one in the middle the Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's a bit different, eh? And the one on the right? Taylor Swift. Isn't that a massive change? Isn't that a massive change? For me, as you'll see on the next slide, God took me, a young, angry man who was very sick and a bully, and made him a pastor of a church. What on earth was he thinking? What on earth was he thinking? And so today I'd just love to talk to you about one story of change in the Bible. And I'm just going to invite my wife, my wife up um, and she's just going to read from us from uh, John chapter 4. So yeah, let's get into it. All right, so if you have your Bibles, church, you can flip to John chapter 4. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. So it's a bit long, so read with me. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. For the Anglicans in the house, that is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So Jesus tripped down to some country, had a conversation with some women around a well. What's the big deal? Well, I'd like to just pull out a few points as we go along to help us understand what the real message is behind this story. Um, if you flick over a couple of slides, you'll see a slide that says the contrast. Because John here is writing a book. Okay, He's writing a letter to someone to help them believe in Jesus. And he chose in John chapter 3 to write about a person called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the proper of the proper. He was a teacher of the law. He was a Jew. And in the very next chapter, John chooses to record the story of a Samaritan woman. In those days, men did not talk to women. In those days, women were not honoured the way they are today. In those days, Jews hated Samaritan people. It's a little bit like the tension between Mudgee and Dubbo. And so, and, and so John says, hey, look at the contrast. Jesus is not bound by racism. Jesus is not bound by sexism. His disciples came back and they were shocked and they're like, hey, they, said, they didn't want to, talk to ask him, why are you talking to the woman? And they said, so instead, you know, uh, are you hungry, Jesus? Like, what's up? You know, tell us what's going on. But Jesus, this wasn't an accidental thing. You would have noticed when Dot read uh, the scripture, um, the word said, he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Now, who knows that's true? It's true on one level, but it's not on another. 
On the next slide, you'll see a map. And the map down the bottom, you'll see Judea. And um, you'll see uh, Samaria in the middle. And you'll see Galilee up the top. And it's true that the, probably one of the shortest ways to go to, from Judea to Galilee is through Samaria. But the Jews hated Samaria so much that when they would do that trip, most Jews would actually go around Samaria just to avoid it. Why? Because um, it, if the Jews spent time with the Samarians, if they socialized with them, they would be unclean. The woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew. How can you associate with me? How can you ask me for a drink of water? But Jesus had an appointment, a divine appointment. Can I suggest to you today that each of you have a divine appointment today? I have lived my life for 38 years. 31 of those years I've been a Christian. And by this time, I'm a little bit thick, I'm a little bit slow, but I figured out there's no coincidences. Everything that happens in the, in the physical is as a result of the spiritual. And so at this divine appointment, God, in, G, in Jesus, Jesus starts to talk to this Samaritan woman about living water. He says to her, if you knew who it was who was talking to you, you would ask me for water and I would give you living water. What's living water? Living water is flowing water. Okay, it's not water that's been sitting in a well for donkey's years. It's, it's flowing water. And in that part of the world, it's a little bit hard to come across. Does anyone remember the drought? Was there a drought in Mudgee? There was. I knew there was one Dubbo. I wasn't sure. But these are some of the photos from the drought. Pretty dry, isn't it? Pretty dry. When drought comes, life disappears. In Dubbo, we had one family who um, were living in a rural um, type setting. And in their community, seven fathers committed suicide during the drought. Within a year, seven families lost their dads. Rain is absolutely necessary. Water is necessary. And you'll see on the next slide that there is a deep contrast between when we have water and when we don't. One of the most amazing things that I've seen in Dubbo is, um, and probably you guys saw it out here in Mudgee, is remember there, when there was a time when the drought-breaking rain came? We had no rain for ages, and then just one night, like for hours, it rained. And I remember going to bed that night and seeing the dust everywhere and getting up and driving out to work, and oh my gosh, wasn't the difference remarkable? For a city boy, I'd never seen that before. I was totally shocked by it. And so what I'd like to ask you today is, what's it like in our soul? What does our soul look like when there's no living water flowing through there? What is living water? Living water is the presence, the spirit of the living God. When you're born again, God comes into your heart and your spirit and he changes things. He changes things. But sometimes there's a blockage. So when this woman asked Jesus for uh, the living water, what did Jesus say? Go call your husband. Why did he ask her that question? He asked her that question because sin blocks the living water flowing and so this woman had five husbands this is a very tough issue in the church today in the church today we are being told that hey divorce is okay in the church today we're being told that you know we can get divorced for any reason in the church today we're having to deal with the lgbti community as well don't get me wrong 
God loves you. No matter how you are, if you're in the LGBT, ID, F, E, D, X community, whatever community you're in, He absolutely and utterly loves you. But you are no different to me. Because just like me, God says, hey, you've sinned and you've fallen short of grace. And without grace, sorry, without sin, there's no grace. Without repentance, there's no grace. You see, God's a little bit touchy about sin. I would even suggest he's particularly touchy about the marriage issue. Have you noticed that creation begins and ends with a marriage? Have you noticed that in Matthew chapter 1, in the lineage of Jesus, where he refers to Bathsheba, one of the great-grandmothers of Jesus Christ, he doesn't use her name. He calls her Uriah's wife. Why? Because he remembers that this woman was illegitimately taken from her husband. And so today, there might be blockages in our heart. There might be blockages in our heart. And it's difficult. And it's touchy. Who likes getting, their, getting told that they're a sinner? Who likes getting told all the wrong things that you've ever done? Praise God, amen. There's a strange silence around the room. And so what do we do? We change the topic. And that's exactly what the woman did. The woman said, so, um, so uh, yep, okay, so five husbands. Uh, so, so listen, where should I worship? You know, a theological question. Jerusalem or Samaria? You Jews think, you know, uh, Jerusalem, I think Samaria. What does Jesus say? Hey, look, it's not about where you worship, it's about the heart. It's about the, the condition of the heart that you worship in spirit and in truth. Haven't we found that out during COVID? It's not about where we worship, it's about how we worship. And then the woman still doesn't like that answer and said, well, okay, my heart, uh, truth, that doesn't sound good to me. And so she tries to change the topic again. And she says, so um, listen, I know you're a cool guy. I know that you seem to know stuff about me, a little bit creepy, but okay. But listen, I'm actually waiting for this person called the Christ. I'm waiting for somebody different. And so I love what you say, mate, but move it on because there's someone else coming. And Jesus lovingly says to her, hey, I am he. He uses the same words that God used when he spoke to Moses in front of the burning bush. He used the words, I am. What's he saying? I am God. When she asked, are you greater than our father Jacob? He said, yeah, you bet you are. You bet I am, brother. Why? Because I came first. Do you get the picture? And so what happened to this woman? Well, I would suggest to you that she had a choice. She had a choice to ignore what Jesus said, go back to living her sinful life and go back to being an outcast. How do we know she was an outcast? Well, usually um, when you go to uh, get water in those days, you'd use a big stone jar or a clay jar. Who knows that a big jar full of water is heavy? Double water is really bad, so I go to Woolies and buy boxes of water. And I know it's heavy. And if you have to travel by foot to get some water, when would you go? You'd go in the morning or you'd go in the night. In fact, the custom was for groups of women to go to visit the well at morning or at night um, in numbers, so for safety and also for ease. But the Bible says that she came to the well at noon. Why? Because she wanted to go to the well when there was no one else there. She was an outcast. And she had a choice. What would she do? What the Bible says is that she went back to her town and she asked a question. Could this be the Christ? 
She wasn't bold enough to say, hey, this is the Christ. But she was bold enough to say, could this be the Christ? And as you'll see on the next slide, what happened was that the town came to see Jesus. And seeing Jesus, they put their faith in him and salvation came to the whole town. Can you see the story of change? A Samaritan woman, a reject, an outcast, goes to the well, has a conversation, is brave enough to speak out even just a little bit. And God is willing to use that one question to bring salvation to a town. So what's really happening here? I believe what is happening is the miracle at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. That was the first miracle that Jesus performed. It was a miracle where during the, during the wedding feast, they ran out of wine. They went, Mary heard about this and, and uh, Mary said to um, the servants, look, go speak to Jesus, he'll fix your problem. Jesus reluctantly says, all right, over here, boys, fill the, fill the water jars, the ones that they used to wash their feet with. By the way, their feet were not very clean in those days. And uh, go and uh, take that to the master of the ceremonies and uh, make him drink from it. And the servants are like, ha, 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 funny Jesus. You're trying to pull a fast one on us. We're not that stupid. He's like, seriously, give it a go. Like, well, what have we got to lose? And so they do it. And the master of the ceremony tastes and he says, where have you been keeping this stuff? They're like, oh, look, don't, don't get angry with us. You know, the, the Jesus guy told us, this is fantastic, the master of the ceremony says. This is brilliant. You brought this at the end? Now, that was the first miracle of Jesus. I believe that God chose that to be the first miracle of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus did do it reluctantly because he said, my time has not yet come. But Jesus could have avoided that. He was God. God has planned the universe so meticulously. And if that's his first miracle, that tells us something about Jesus. And that tells us something about what he is here to do. What Jesus is here to do is to take pots like us, unworthy pots like us, unworthy vessels like us that are used for nothing special, to fill us and to change the inside, to let living water flow into us and then to bless other people. It says in this passage that once Jesus fills us with this living water, it will spring up like a spring. In another, in another part of the Gospels, it says that it will become rivers of flowing water out of our bellies. How often should we do this? Well, I believe this is a daily process. Some of us become Christians and, hey, that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. We have a little high and then we're like, yep, off we go. Had Christian experience once. That's it. That's not the way this works. Christianity is a daily walk and daily we need to be filled with the presence and the Holy Spirit of God. Daily we need to be filled. Daily we need to output. How do we output? We serve in the church, find something to do, mop the floor, arrange the chairs, do the PA. If you don't, just find something. You know, when I was a young person, I began to serve in church for the first time and for the first time, I was like, wow, there is something different about this. Church used to be something that I was just compelled to go to. 
And now I wanted to be the first one there and I wanted to be the last one to leave because there was a pleasure in serving. And what happens if we don't output is we get really stagnant. Can you imagine a cup of tea where we're the cup, where God pours in the water and he puts the tea bag in and you let the tea bag sit there for 10 days? Who wants that cup of tea? The cup of tea is only good when it's used. And what Jesus says, if you, if you will pour yourself out, then I will fill you again. And what I have noticed is, this is a spiritual principle, it's about stewardship. If you are able to steward the anointing, then God will give you more. If God will give you a little bit, then he will give you more. I started serving God in church by playing the guitar. Ah, <laughs> oh boy. I didn't know most of the chords. The PA guy used to turn me off. I sounded really bad. Little by little, I got better and better and better. I found a guitar pedal that would uh, amp up the, the volume so high that the PA guy couldn't turn me off. I now own five guitars. I had six, but I gave one away. When my wife met me, one of her criteria was, I want a man who plays the guitar. And some crazy person called Pastor Greg put me in charge of a church. If you are faithful with the little, God will give you a lot. But you have to discharge the little that God has put into you. And so it's time for an oil change, church. It's time for an oil change. And only Jesus can do that. For those of you who haven't figured this out yet, if you don't change your car's oil frequently, it is not good. Eventually, you'll get a breakdown. Okay? You need to change. You need to get that flowing through. And so right now, I'll just love it if we can stand up to our feet. Those are those things at the bottom of your being. And if we can just come before Jesus. If I get some sort of keys player up, that would be amazing. Whatever, when you say something when the keys are playing, it's always more profound. Almost always better received. Here we go. You guys ready? This is a prophetic word. When I come to Mudgee, um, Pastor Ken does not put a noose on me and says, Jono, you have to preach about this. He actually trusts me enough to say, hey, mate, whatever, whatever you want to preach about goes. And so, in spending time with the Lord, this is the word that he gave me. I believe it is prophetic for the church. I believe there is revival coming from Aji. But the church must play a massive part in that revival. And if there is revival coming to Aji, for non-Christians to become Christian, for the gospel to advance, first there must be revival in our hearts. First, we must, must receive this living water. We must get rid of the stagnant and let loose of the old. So if that's you, right where you are, when I'm not looking, because it's none of my business, I'd love you to put your hand up to God and say, Jesus, would you give me this living water? God, I need water for my soul. I need water for my soul.
I need my soul to prosper. As Jesus said, what is it worth if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? If you've never received that living water before, if you've never met Jesus before, today is your day. Friend, you can just call out to Jesus. He is hearing you. A little while in the service earlier before we sang the song that Jesus is alive. I said it's a happy day and he is so here. Father, would you now baptize people with the living water? Jesus, you said that you would baptize with water and with fire. Jesus, would you baptize? Holy Spirit, would you fill? Lord, as we come to the source, as we come to the Niagara Falls of living water, Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you. For some of us, God's just bringing blockages up to our mind. Can I just encourage you, let it go? I know it's hard to let it go. But hey, can I tell you from my experience, if you let it go, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. When you let your dreams die for Jesus, it's so worth it. And more often than not, he will resurrect them in a better way that you can ever dream of. There are some people here who uh, really need some prayer. Uh, Dot and I will be down the front to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. God just letting me see into some souls right now and there is some dryness and some parchness. And hey, that's okay. I've been there. We've all been there. We go through seasons of drought. But today the source, the living water, the person from whom living water proceeds is here. Jesus is here. And we would love to lay our hands on you and pray and let that water fill you. And once you are filled, every day come to the source. Enroll in a ministry in the church. Enroll in a, min in a mission ministry. Be a light to the people in your work. Let that living water flow through you and not be stagnant. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We submit to your will, Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for the fire and water that's about to come. And it's coming now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.